Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Tuesday morning to you and yours. Welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time. You can find us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We always ask, please subscribe to the program. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook, where this show is streaming on the Chatterbox Sports page. Please flip the notification switch on if your cup of tea is in podcast form. Please search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Well, it's a very sad day in Reds country. Tom Browning, who authored the only perfect game in franchise history, died yesterday afternoon at his home in Kentucky. Browning pitched for 12 seasons in the major leagues, 11 of them with the Reds, and a big part of the team that won the 1990 World Series title. He ranks 12th in Reds history with 123 wins. He was inducted into the Reds Hall of Fame in 2006. No foul play is expected in his death or suspected in his death. Tom Browning was 62 years young. He is ready for the 2-2 to Woodson, and here it comes. And it is swung out and missed. And Tom Browning has pitched a perfect game. 27 outs in a row, and he is being mobbed by his teammates just to the third base side of the mound. A perfect game thrown by Tom Browning on this Friday night, September the 16th, 1988 as he no-hits the Los Angeles Dodgers one to nothing, and throws the first perfect game in the long and legendary history of this great Cincinnati Reds baseball franchise. And now Browning being hoisted to the shoulders of his teammates. And boy, what a memorable scene on a wet, dreary evening here in Cincinnati. A night that the fans had to wait two hours and 27 minutes for, and brother, was the wait worthwhile. And this one belongs to the Reds. What a night it was. I'll never forget. I was working at Channel 5 at the time, and we had been out covering high school football all night long, getting everything ready. Back in those days, local TV, we used to do about 20 minutes of high school football highlights from 11.15 to 11.35. And uh, got back, got everything edited up for our boss, Ken Brew. He said, hey, Browning's tossing a perfect game down at the ballpark. It was going very late after that two-and-a-half-hour rain delay. So I had a chance to, to race down there. And many of you will remember where the grounds crew used to come out right behind home plate. Uh, there was a big area underneath the stadium there, but you could look through the glass and, and watch the game. And, and I watched the last two innings of that game, that perfect game in September of 88. Coming up on the program today, we'll hear from Paul Doherty. He covered Tom Browning for a long, long time. We'll hear from Chris Welsh, who not only covered and broadcast games that Tom Browning pitched in, he was also a very close personal friend of Tom Browning's. And we'll hear from Tracy Jones, who came up through the Reds' farm system with Tom Browning. All of that and more coming up shortly. Football news, the Bengals have the day off, but of course it is a short work week. Their next game is Saturday, Christmas Eve in New England. We told you yesterday that Sam Hubbard 
will more than likely not play again until the postseason. We will wait and find out what the status is. I mean, there's a laundry list of these guys, right? Hayden Hurst, Cam Taylor-Britt, Mike Hilton, Trey Hendrickson, among others. Don't know who's going to play this week at multiple positions. Kickoff on Saturday at 1 o'clock. Did you see the story in Baltimore? Apparently, some fans are so upset with the Ravens' struggling offense that they posted flyers all over the team's practice facility that demanded the firing of offensive coordinator Greg Roman. The Ravens scored three points in their loss at Cleveland over the weekend, the fewest points by a Baltimore team in a game in 14 seasons. They still don't have Lamar Jackson. No word on whether he'll play this week or not. Meanwhile, big news in Philadelphia. Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts, undoubtedly the odds-on favorite for the league MVP, has a sprain in his right throwing shoulder. And his status for this week's game against Dallas is very much open the air. It's not considered to be a long-term injury. And really, all Philadelphia has to do is win one more game. They win the divisional championship. They'll be the number one seed for the playoffs. Just get him right by then. Last night, Monday Night Football, the defending Super Bowl champion Rams officially eliminated from playoff competition this go-round. They go to Green Bay and lose to the Packers 24-12. And look, Packers are 6-8 and eight on the year, and they're only a game and a half out of the playoff hunt. College football, our prayers go out to Ohio State offensive lineman Avery Henry, the 6'6", 310-pound freshman who did not play this year from St. Clairsville, Ohio, was diagnosed with a bone cancer that strikes teenagers and young adults. He will start his treatment immediately. Rare NBA news around here, but Portland Trailblazers Damian Lillard passed Clyde the Glide Drexler as a franchise's all-time scoring leader last night. Drexler scored 1,840 points in 867 games. Lillard hit that number in 700 and 30 games. All right, so uh, many of you in the chat, by the hundreds and the thousands, we appreciate everybody being here. And now we check in from themorningline.substack.com, longtime Cincinnati Inquirer columnist, Paul Doherty. And Dark, uh, we start today, a guy that I know you, you've been around a lot, the sad news we heard yesterday about Tom Browning. I mean, you know, look, we've had in this town guys like uh, Joe Nuxall, Sean Casey, those two guys come to mind as, and maybe it's unfair to say they're head and shoulders above everybody, but I think it's universally agreed that Browning in every way was very much in that same kind of category. I don't think there's any question about that, Tom. In fact, I just got done talking with Charlie Frank, who is the director of the Reds Community Fund, and basically was is in charge of a lot of the off-season stuff that the Reds do. Um, and he, he, he called, uh, Tom Browning, uh, today's version of, of Joe Nuxhall. And I, I don't, I don't think there's a higher compliment we can pay a professional athlete in this city than, than to call him, uh, today's Joe Nuxhall. And, and, um, Browning simply was a guy who would not say no. He, he did everything all the time. Uh, and, and the beauty of Tom Browning was that he, he, it was never an obligation. He didn't do it because he felt that he had to do it. He didn't do it for any sort of image pers uh, purposes because anybody 
who knew Tom Browning for more than five minutes knew that uh, he didn't care a whole lot about image. He was who he was, but he, he did it because he enjoyed it. He, he loved being in the community. Uh, he was a, a, a true Cincinnati in, in, in every in every shape of the word. Um, I, I was trying to think, and you mentioned Sean Casey, and I hadn't thought of Sean for some reason. It's a good one. Uh, of the number of people who kind of espouse what we like to think about ourselves in this town uh, and, and with the athletes that we appreciate for being like us. Um, Bob Huggins came to mind, Pete Rose, um, Tom Browning, Sean Casey, uh, and, and of course, Nuxie. Um, guys who are, are, are true to themselves, who, who are genuine people, um, uh, who, who are hardworking, head, sliding headfirst types, uh, but uh, are, are deep down what, what Huggins used to call good people. Uh, Tom Browning was good people. You know, it's interesting. You start ripping off some of those names, and, 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 and I had not thought of guys like Bob Huggins, although I'm certainly in full agreement with you on that. Look, it's not to sit here and say you can't be from the East Coast, you can't be from the West Coast, you can't be from Canada, you can't be from Mexico, all those things, uh, because that, that obviously would be foolish. But I think it's interesting of the guys that you just ripped off, the names you just ripped off, Nuxall, Huggins, Browning, Casey, um, those guys are all quote unquote heartland of America kind of guys. You like to call them the flyover space sometimes, you know, they're not from the coast. Huggins, a, an Ohio guy, Joe, an Ohio guy, Casey, a Pittsburgh guy, Tom Browning, a Wyoming guy. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's where they grew up. Maybe it's, it's the kind of people they grew up around, uh, that molded them into being the way they were. Yeah, we're really good around here at spotting phonies, uh, I, I think, um, posers. Those guys were not that. And I don't know if it's if, if it's uh, a product of, of where they were raised or how they were raised or both. Um, but but they, they, they were guys, they, they were and are people uh, who don't pretend to be something that they're not and, and who are perceived correctly as having as having big hearts and Tom Bryant certainly had a big heart you know uh doc uh, you know I, I I think that that many of us um when when we look at guys and look every single one of us is an imperfect being we all agree on that uh some of us have greater faults or greater addictions or greater issues or whatever it might be than others Tom Browning was a very imperfect man on, on many, many levels. Uh, he necessarily didn't take great care of himself. He, um, he, you know, he had a lot of, a lot of tragedy uh, in his life. He lost his wife back in March. His children have had some major issues. He and his wife, Debbie, were taking care of their grandkids and trying to raise them. Um, but I, but I think that, that that's why so many people or in part, why so many people, um, continue to love Tom Browning, no matter what, I guess you can make the same argument for Pete, although some of his stuff starts to get right on that border where I'm not sure you, where you cross it or not, but, but, but guys like, uh, but Tom Browning, um, I, I think it was, you know, part of his imper imperfections 
that made us like him so much or at least be able to relate to him. You think that's fair? No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, he was a human. Um, and the, another good thing about him, uh, he never pretended to be anything else. I mean, he, he understood his flaws. A lot of people understood his flaws, and he, he never never pretended that, that, that he didn't have them. You know, I got these. I'm up front with it. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing my best to take care of it. Uh, but, yeah, I'm acknowledging who I am, uh, good and bad. All right, let's shift gears now to uh, the Bengals. Uh, you wrote extensively. Uh, you have all the space you want now. They're at the morningline.substack.com. Um, you know, Doc, uh, the, the, they're not always the most consistent bunch as far as, you know, the, the game on Sunday, the difference between the first half and the second half on both sides of the ball. But at the end of the day, their 11-point win was the largest spread of any game in the National Football League last weekend. They got it going on down there. I mean, they, they really do. After some bumps in the road and 4-4, four and four, you know, uh, they got it going on right now. Yeah, the only thing that, that, that could derail them, in my opinion, is more injuries. The injuries are starting to add up. I, I mean... Awuzie was already out. Uh, now, now Hendrickson is out. Uh, Sam Hubbard apparently is out for about a month. You know, back in time for the the postseason, but out a month. Um, as good as they are, and as good as that depth has been, and it has been terrific. You can't keep having these kinds of injuries to to big time players, and, and have. The, the kind of success that they've been having. But you're, you're right. They're playing as well as any team in the league except maybe the Eagles, maybe as, as good as the Eagles. I don't know. Uh, and, and they're doing it everywhere. It's not just one side of the ball. Uh, it's both sides of the ball. They, they, they are well coached. They, they are motivated. They had no Super Bowl hangover. Um, the offensive line has been almost completely healthy all year, which is just gigantic. Uh, Burrow, of course, has not missed a snap. Um, they're not being given respect like they should be. And I, I usually don't care about this stuff that much. Uh, but they're, they've not gotten the respect that they're due. Whenever the talk of MVP it, it comes up, it, it's Burrow is fourth. He's never better than fourth. Whenever talk of Super Bowls comes up, they're, they're not really in focus yet. It's always Kansas City, Buffalo, Philly, maybe, maybe San Francisco, maybe even the Cowboys, though probably not after the other day. But um, this team is very good, and they picked a very nice time, same as last year, to play very well. But don't you think, Doc, and, and we've had this conversation before, you've written about it for, for, for dozens of years, uh, in many ways, uh, whether it's that respect factor you're talking about, uh, all the way trickle down to players throughout the history of your franchise going into the Hall of Fame. Until your franchise wins a Super Bowl, and, and for some reason Buffalo seems to be extinct from this, but until your franchise wins a Super Bowl, I'm not sure you ever really get the respect, no matter how good you play during the regular season, even if it's multiple seasons in the yeah. NFL. Well, I, I don't, I don't, I really don't know what it is. I, I think the Bengals over the years have been an easy target. Uh, Mike Brown's uh, frugality, 
the run that they had during the Marvin era of quote unquote bad boys, they've been low hanging fruit for people who want to make fun of a franchise. And I still, they, they still haven't dug themselves out from, from that. Um, I, I, people were five years after the, the Bengals had basically expunged themselves of all the, of the uh, criminal element, shall we say, it was still a topic nationally. And the same now in terms of them not being on, on a par with, with Kansas City, who they've beaten three times in the last year, uh, Buffalo, and so on. So I, I think maybe just the national media are kind of slow on the uptake. I think that's especially true with the MVP stuff. Because people who have watched Joe Burrow this year understand that that uh, he has had a Jalen Hurts type year. He's beaten Mahomes three times in a row, and, and uh, Josh Allen has been up and down. Uh, I I would slot Burrow number two right now behind Mahomes, and like I said, he's beaten him three times in in the in the last twelve months, so maybe ahead of Mahomes. So I, I anyway, I, I just think that's how the national media is. They're a bit slow on the uptake, a little lazy. Uh, a little too quick to take the the easy angle on stuff. All right, Doc, we as always, uh, anything on your mind before I let you go? I mean, anything you, you want to talk about? We, we got, you know, we got Christmas coming up here. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, the whole, uh, uh, as a footnote, yeah, oh, by the way, Christmas is coming up. Anything on your mind that I haven't asked you about? Yeah. And I, no, I'd like to say I got all kinds of stuff I want to talk about, but I, but I really don't. I'm, I'm sitting here. Um, writing the, the tribute to, to Browning, and, and uh, then I'll wax a little bit about the beauty of the internet when it comes to Christmas shopping, which I think the internet has made Christmas, has brought joy back to Christmas because I don't have to drive around a stupid mall parking lot for half an hour. I love that. I don't like malls. I never liked malls. I don't like being in malls. There's too many people. Uh, the internet, I can sit around in my underwear and, and, and you know what, Tom, people say that, that it kind of shopping online kind of is not good for your creativity in terms of finding that special gift, right? I think it enhances your creativity. I mean, anything your imagination desires, you can find online. I agree with you 100%. I mean, you know, when you're walking around in a mall, uh, there might be one or two things that even catch your eye, and you're just starting to get worn out because you can't find anything that does catch your eye more times than not. When you're sitting around bouncing around the Internet, I mean, there's 8,000 ideas that never even popped into your mind, at least for me. That's all Man, I can say about it. I'm telling you, it's like being a good reporter where you just keep asking questions and, and dialing phone numbers until you find what you need. Finding the, the perfect gift for, for someone is like that. It's like you, you go on the internet and you find a, a site that has cool stuff and they may not have the exact cool stuff that you want, but maybe there's a link to another site that has cool stuff and that, that site has what you want. I mean, I've been doing internet shopping ever since there was an internet. Back when people were worried about your credit, giving your credit card online and all that stuff, I, I it probably was a big concern, but I didn't bother me and I never lost my never never had my security compromised anyway I've, I've been doing it for like 15 years I felt like Daniel Boone back then now I'm just like everybody else and I'm telling you uh, online shopping has restored the joy to the Doherty family Christmas very nice hey speaking of you you brought up reporter and, and it's one thing I, I meant to ask you about and I forgot and you just reminded me about it what were your thoughts of that whole Giovanni Bernard thing? Did you see the video? No, the video 
of the incident itself or his reaction? No, I didn't. Okay, do me a favor, and 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 we have you on. Hopefully, at the end of the week, I, I'd like to hear um, your thoughts on how this was handled because I I, I think we've reached um, a generational kind of a thing. The long and short of it is just just punch it in Giovanni Bernard video into Google or whatever, and it'll pop right up. Um, you know, he did not want to uh, talk to the press after the game about what happened on the, the quote-unquote uh, fake punt. Um, and a couple of reporters uh, were really pressing him hard while their cameras or phones or whatever it was on, while they were running. You know, we've all seen these kinds of videos in the past. Uh, and, and I'd be curious when we get together at the end of the week if you have time to hear your thoughts on this because it's, it's a really interesting uh, piece of video and an interesting topic for people who have either been in the press, are in the press, or considering going into the press. Yeah. So okay. check it out. Well, Gio is one of the most stand-up guys yep. uh, I've ever dealt with. Yep. We'll start with that, and we'll, we'll go on after I watch the All the right. Well, you check it out, and we'll get back to, to you. All right. Check the tape. That's right. Doc, thanks All for right. your time. Okay, Tom. Thank you. All right, buddy. Paul Doherty is always kind enough to join us from... TheMorningLine.Substack.com. You really ought to check it out. He's not limited to, you know, to space and all this kind of thing anymore. So, you know, he'll give you like the 10 things, 10 thoughts on the Bengals game. I'm sure his um, Tom Browning tribute is just going to be off the charts because, uh, you know, as good as Doc is writing about sports and sports figures and teams and all those kinds of things, he is just unbelievable when it comes to writing things about uh, the human spirit and human emotions and people. Um, and, and Charlie Frank was the perfect guy for him to talk to because, uh, you, boy, you talk about a guy who's right there with the Joe Nuxalls and the Sean Casey's, even though he's not an athlete. Charlie Frank uh, is as good as they get. And he's been running that Reds Community Fund um, ever since the advent of it. Casey McAllister, Paul Fritchner, the dunce over there, hard at work. Brandon Seho, how are we looking today, man? Looking good. It's a sad day, but we're doing good here in the studio. You know, Tom Browning wouldn't want anybody to be sad today. Tom. He wouldn't. He would He was never sad. I mean, if he was, you never knew it. He was always upbeat, made people feel like a million bucks, no matter who you were, um, no matter where you were in life whether you are down and out on your luck and wh or whether you're sitting on top of the world. Um, he would not want anybody down today. Tom Browning, first manager of the Florence Freedom that played their season right here in Hamilton. That's exactly right. I think it was uh, – who, who writes – why am I drawing a blank from the athletic? Jay Morrison. He wrote about it yesterday. Yep. He was covering the team, uh, and he made the comment um, on Twitter yesterday that – after every game, they had the uh, manager's office in a trailer, right? Yep. And uh, he said he used to walk in there, and the first question that would be asked would not be by the press. It would be by Tom Browning, would you like a beer? I like that. Dude That's was a just, a, I mean, what a great guy. Um, gosh, what a great guy. Chris, Chris Welsh will give tremendous insight later, as will uh, Tracy Jones, because um, – Chris was done playing by the time Tom came up. It was right on that border. Um, but he was around him, basically called on television every single game that Browning pitched. Um, and, of course, Tracy Jones did come up with 
uh, Browning, uh, Browning a little older, but they came up together and the whole fleet uh, of players that came up that ultimately won the World Series in 1990. So more of that coming up a little bit later on in the program. Uh, what else we got on the docket here today, fellas? I'll give you a choice. All right. Do you want to do choices day, are good this day in history or the new PFF segment that we're going to do? Let's start with this date in history. All okay. right. Today is I'm assuming this was December 20th. Yes. Okay. That would be today. So this date in history. Well, we wrote it yesterday, so I was just making sure that we were going off the right date here. Okay. All right. Well, we really have the wheels fall off if like two or three into these, we've got the wrong date. Oh, so no, please, we're, I'm we're, glad. We are all I, good. Okay. There's Casey, a calendar that tells you these I will double check just to make sure. Casey's right on it. No, we're, yep. we're rocking we're with good. it, Casey. You, okay. You're on it. I trust you. So go ahead. 1921, Kennesaw Mountain Landis cast the deciding vote for the World Series to go to a best of seven games as opposed to a best of nine games. That is one of the great names of all time. Isn't it? I mean, that really is. I mean, it's tough. It's regal. It's, it's, I mean, Kennesaw Mountain Landis. Imagine introducing yourself with that name. Okay, go yeah. ahead. It's a real man. That's right. Real man. Go ahead. 1966, the NBA awards Seattle. An NBA franchise, the Supersonics, for 1967-1968. And now they're no more. No more. They're down in Oklahoma City. There has been discussion of the NBA going back to Seattle. I don't know how real those discussions are or if there are any cities above them in the pecking order. but Well, look, you know, whenever you start talking about uh, sports franchises and cities because they, you know, weren't allowed they, to have one for so long, Las Vegas comes to mind. Right. I mean, yeah. that's normally the first one, but uh, there's still a ton of money up there in Seattle uh, and, and you need a fan base with a big population and a lot of money to support an NBA team because those tickets are expensive for 41 home games a year. Yep. Yeah. And didn't they just uh, make the Kraken? Aren't they? Oh, they, yes. Yeah. Seattle. Yes. The uh, the Kraken, the new NHL franchise up there, an expansion team a couple years ago. That's right. Yep. That's right. Uh this one, Tom, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this one. Back in 1985, Howard Cosell retired. You know, I was uh, working with a guy. Joe Assetti was his name. Uh, God rest his soul. Ironically, lived in uh, Seattle. Born and raised New York guy. Uh, but I worked a number of seasons in the NFL with him as a director. He's one of the most legendary television figures in all of television sports history. Joe Assetti is his name, was his name, is his name. Um, he traveled with Howard Cosell in boxing for 15, 20, and look, when it came to boxing, there was a time, it's hard for young people to believe this now because, you know, boxing's lost some of its stature. There aren't the great stars that there used to be. Um, the MMA stuff has captured the attention of a lot of people. I don't get it, but a lot of people are into it. Um, but boxing at one time was as popular as any sport, by far more popular than the NFL. By far. I mean, you had Muhammad Ali. You had Smokin' Joe Frazier. You had George Foreman. You had Leon Spinks. All these guys, which, which it just goes to show you how, how the world has changed. Boxing is not even a sport in the Olympics anymore. I mean, for God's sakes, we've got tiddlywinks out there. 
and, and we don't have boxing anymore. And it used to be in the summer games that boxing right there with swimming and gymnastics was right there among the very most popular. We've had a lot of great Olympic boxers come right out of Cincinnati. Uh, the Tommy Ayers and the Aaron Pryors and all these guys. Anyway, you know, and, and then in the welterweight division at one time, you had you Sugar Ray Leonard and Thomas Hitman Hearns and you had Roberto Duran and all these guys going at it, fighting each other all the time for championships. Everybody and his brother watched those fights. Cosell was the king. He was the only guy that could get Muhammad Ali to talk of all the great quotes you've heard from Ali. Right? Float like a butterfly. Sting like a bee. I'm a bad man. I'm a bad man. Those were all with Howard Cosell. And, of course, he was known as, you know, in, in Monday Night Football. Um, and he, he was one of the most... You, you can make a very strong argument that he was... Popular is not the right word. Help me with a word here, fellas, because he was certainly a polarizing figure. I mean, it's polarizing. You either loved Howard Cosell or you hated him. But he was going to tell it like it is, man. And he was the first guy on national television that would tell it like it is. A lot of people hated Ali because of his faith and his Muslim faith. And they didn't like the fact that Ali didn't want to fight in the war. There were a lot of people out there that were really south on Ali. And here was this Jewish guy from New York, this hardline, tough reporter. Uh, obviously, I bring up Jewish because here you have a guy that's practicing Islam. And here's this Jewish white guy, right, that all of a sudden has embraced Muhammad Ali. And they had this incredible relationship that went on for longer than a decade. And um, that guy... What a career. You guys are too young. Tells it like it is. Howard Cosell speaking of sports. That was on every radio station in the country every day. Like a commentary. Long before all these, you know, Colin Cowherds or whatever it is they do with these, you know, or DraftKings update. It, it, it was Howard Cosell. He was amazing. See, even, uh, even uh, Everett Henry says you get a little bit of everything here on the program. You get religion and you get Vietnam. You know where Muhammad Ali's from? Louisville. That's right. He is uh, buried in the same cemetery as my granddad. No not too, kidding. Not too far apart from each other. How about that? I go down there to wow. see my granddad's gravesite. That's right next to Muhammad Ali. Absolutely. All right, so that's our day in sports. Or do we have another? Yeah, well, that's the day. In Please history. don't tell me we're going to drop this last thing in that I think is coming. Oh, yeah, we are. Of course we would, Tom. Scored a hat trick in the World Cup final. Oh Mbappe's birthday God. today. 22 years old. Could you imagine being 22? 22. He, that's me. Was he 21? No, there's no way. I think he's turning 23 or today. 20, 24. 24 today. 24 today. 24 years old. Mbappe. The Frenchman. The Frenchman. The Frenchman. He needed America to come in about halftime and bail him out. <laughs> I tried to explain that one to my son. I told him I said it on the show, right? Yeah. And, I mean, he's really knee-deep in a lot of this stuff in high school. And they, they do an incredible job teaching them about American history and current events and politics and blah, blah, blah. But he didn't get the joke. Oh. You know, I mean, he didn't get the joke. It's really not a joke, but it, it, he didn't get it. So that's too bad. Oh. 
All right. Okay. No emperor says, what's this say? More soccer. Emperor's a hater. <laughs> no, he's not. Well, you know what? Sometimes he is. You're right. <laughs> Sometimes you're right. He is. He can be. Uh, I like his attitude, though. He'll throw a jab and a zinger, and then he'll kind of, you know, he's all right. All right, so what, what, what else are we introducing today, Casey, did you say? Yeah, so it's a small, small segment. We're going to be guessing the best offense and defensive performers for the Bengals game and the worst offense and defensive performers for the Bengals game, according to PFF's grades. Is pro football focus paying us any money for the show? No. Well, what the hell are we giving them pub for? <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, we could have your best player of the week or Paul best player of the week. Well, I mean, we you think Collinsworth needs more money? <laughs> seriously. When they put that stuff on NBC Sports on Sunday Night Football, PFF is paying some cash. And we're giving them free pub? All right, go it's ahead. It's Casey McAllister, best player of the week. Fire yeah. it up, Casey. Hey. All right, you go ahead. Research right. a little differently. <laughs> oh, and Trace Fowler says, "Does the athletic pay us?" I always give that though a caveat beforehand. Okay, go ahead. All right, Tom. So we're gonna guess. Is that what we're doing? We're yeah, I, I need you. I'm gonna be so bad at this. <laughs> to guess who the best offensive performer was. Best offensive performer. Um. Can, can you at least give a, I mean, is it skill or line? Can you give us a it hint? Is skill. It skill. Is skill. Okay. All right. Then I am going to say it was T. Higgins. Is that your final answer? That is. That's my final answer. It was Joe Burrow. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, you figured that was the obvious four touchdowns. Okay. All right. Now, let's keep going, right. Casey. All right. So now. I mean, I thought Burrow, I mean, you know, look, I don't know what they're grading. I mean, you know, the guy threw four touchdown passes, but he had a very pedestrian game. I thought so, too. He really did. I mean, look, and that's not bashing Joe Burrow. I love the guy, and I think after Hurts, uh, he'd be second in line right now for the league MVP. But, I mean, his numbers in no form or fashion were overwhelming in every other category except really the only one that matters, and that's how many points you put up on the board. But in the first half, he stunk. I mean, period. He stunk until the final drive. Threw a pick, go three straight three and outs. They go down the field, get the field goal before halftime. They take advantage of all the turnovers, and, and good for him for throwing touchdowns. But very, very pedestrian day. Uh, are they basing that on stats, or are they view basing that on, on video? Based off video. Based off of how they performed. Um, it takes into account, like, even if he made a good throw and if there was someone deep open and they, he missed that, that's negative. For okay. Him. So can okay. you guess, can you guess who the worst performer was on offense? Yeah. Are we talking about again, the line or skill? We're talking about the line, the line. Ooh. Uh, well, it's gotta be one of the tackles. Gotta be. Well, I would think. It seemed well, like when there was pressure, who, it was coming from the edge. Who do you think – who graded worse? Who was the worst performer? I'm going to say um, Jonah Williams. It's the right side. 
but it was Cordell Volson. Really? Okay. All right. I mean, I, I don't sit there and watch, you know, game film all 22. I know Collins did not have a great game either. Okay. So I'm 0 for 2. 0 for 2 so far. All right. Now let's talk about defense. I'm defense. picking before you even say it. I'm picking him every game the rest of the season. And that's DJ Reader. He's the best player they got on defense. He probably wasn't the right guy, but that's who I would pick. I don't know. Uh, Jermaine Pratt. Jermaine Pratt had an excellent game. I don't know. Or are they going to give it to Logan Wilson because he had a bunch of tackles? But every time I looked up, he was chasing guys around in coverage. <laughs> uh, no. And late. No, the only, the only one of those guys that you mentioned, DJ Reader, was in the top 10 of performers. Okay. Then who was it? If we're going based off of starters. That's what you said. We're yeah, going by. Of, okay. Who is based it? Off, BJ Hill. Okay. All right. Yeah. And so, I loved I loved his comments after the game. BJ Hill. He was great. Great yeah. interview. I mean, he just laid it all out there. Said there was a lot of smack talking going on out there when the Bucks were up. Some of the guys didn't like the comments made by Brady, you know, about the defense and all that kind of thing. BJ was great. What's really weird here, um, they actually gave him a coverage grade, which means that he was out in coverage. And a they few do times. that with their defensive linemen. They do that a lot. They do. More they than do. some other teams. You'll see Hubbard do it from time to time. You'll see Hendrickson do it from time to time. We've seen uh, Reeder drop back. and Yeah, they'll do that. But he was responsible for the most stops okay. in that game. Okay. Can you guess who the worst performer was? Um, I mean, I can sit here and guess all day long. It's a skill guy. I'm going to say it was, well, I sure hope it wasn't yeah. Eli Apple. No, it was not. Okay. Then one of the safeties. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say it was uh, Von Bell this week. Not quite. Who? Jesse Bates? It was Daxton Hill. Well, he's going to look. That, he is not a cornerback. He's having to play cornerback. And God bless him. He's a rookie. He's out there busting his tail. He's doing the best he can. But they got to get Hilton back. Uh, they're already down to Wouzier. Apple has been solid. Flowers came back and played quite well the other day. Had the interception. Also broke up some stuff in coverage. Played well. So, you know, we were just talking with Doc. They got to get some guys back. All right, we're going to take a break. Um, and, and you can um, send the – the, um, you can receive in receivables the check from Pro Football Focus when we come back. <laughs> it's that time of the show, the ham and eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, well, Brandon, thank, thank you, you very Brandon. much. Uh, Casey, you said you had something for us today as we go to break. So, if any of you watch, not too picky, if, oh, you, yes. if, you, if you watch at the end of the show, I mentioned something like, well, if you don't like the game, you probably shouldn't bet on it. Don't just try to bet on every primetime game. Yeah. And I don't have the evidence to prove this. It's fine. I'll believe you. But I had a parlay. Yep. I usually have a parlay for all your shows. And I didn't say it, but it would have hit, and it would have been a plus 375. Okay. All right. So, so just to be clear, Casey, for people that maybe didn't watch yesterday, 
Not Too Picky is the gambling show that Reed and I do on Mondays and Thursdays. On Mondays, it goes on after the box lunch, usually around 1 o'clock. On Thursdays, it's right after Tom's show at noon. Yesterday, we did a Sports Betting 101 segment, which if you want to watch, because sports betting is coming to the state of Ohio on January 1st, you can go back, find the YouTube page here on Chatterbox Sports. Just go down there and click on, on the YouTube page whenever you want here after Tom's show is done. You can go down there, you can click on it, and you can watch the Sports Betting 101 segment, which explains the basics of what you need to know. Well, usually what, how we end the show is... Casey will give us some sort of a parlay because Mondays we have Monday night football. Thursdays we have Thursday night football. Casey will give us some kind of a parlay. We've been trying it throughout the season. Casey hasn't hit yet. I walk in today and Casey tells me it hit. It would have hit. It would have 100% hit. Now, now, I will say, to your credit this time, you picked three legs that were related to each other. I did. Like, you did. You, you picked the under. You picked the... the I picked... The what? The Rams to not score more than 14 and a half points, which they only scored 12. 12. So that would have hit. And then for Packers to score more than 21 and a half. Score more than 21 and a half. Yeah. Okay. And all, right. all those would have hit. And <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. what it is. You know, you, you, you can't win unless you bet. That's exactly right, Casey. And I'm just here to kind of vent to, to the, the betting master because I, I took – my advice yesterday, which I thought was great advice, but ended up being a yes, you know. yes, absolutely, absolutely. Tom, Casey hit a parlay yesterday, and he gave it out, and then he he never actually gave it out. I think I didn't start dropping up bombs. We are live. We are live on the air. That wouldn't be good. And F-bombs come in various forms, so it's a, good fo it's a good thing, you know, because you can have, you know, something attached to it. You can have uh, a person attached to it. You know, none of that would be very good. But you were starting to say, forgive me, Paul. No, I was starting to say that uh, Casey, you know, he's been giving out parlays all year on Not Too Picky, and yesterday we went off the air and he never gave it, and then it ended up hitting. We heard about it later. That's just, it's just tough luck. It's just tough luck. It That's is tough luck. That's how it goes. Uh, Tom. Yes. What the hell's so funny over there, Brandon? What's your problem? I don't know. Brandon's laughing at something. <laughs> this is him walking. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have a teaching Tom today. We, we do. do. <laughs> we do. All right. What do we got today, boys? Since I'm looking drip, my fit dialed in. Oh, yeah. There, there's one of those that goes around on the internet. Joe Burrow. Joe Scheist. Joe what? Is that the word? Is that the hip word? I don't even know what to say. What? When a viewer tells me that I'm trying to be hip, and I'm not as hip as I think I am. That hurts. Please, man. All right, Tom, we'll fly it up there. What do you think based means? Um, based. Uh, I mean, something like based in fact, it's a fact. No, not even close. Uh, it's no. not. You're not hurting my feelings. This is teaching it's, Tom. It's off. It's off, but it's on the right direction. I was trying to see if I could, if I could maybe like twist it in a way that maybe we, we got there. But. Okay. So give me an example of, of based. What so is here, based? Here's what this means. Okay. Fly it up there on the screen. A word used when you agree with something or when you want to recognize someone for being themselves. 
Tom straight spitting facts. He's so I, I mean in part I was accurate. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. So so g- g- but give me another example. So if you're out with your buddies, okay, and you're going to drop that word. Give give me an example of of how I can then use that word. It's more of a reaction to a statement. Okay, so if I say Von Bell's a stud, you would say based that's based. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is that right? Seho, you never heard based? Seho's out on base. Seho's too old. So this comes from your group of yeah, friends. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. yeah. Is this just like a Xavier thing based? No. No. No, no, like it's like there's a rapper too. Like is There's what? There's a rapper? Will be the base god? Who? <laughs> oh yeah. Here Who? we go. Here we go. <laughs> Who is this guy? Lil B. You never want the curse of Lil B. Everybody and his brother's got a little. Lil B. Little Lizzie Vert, right? I heard of that guy when our son went down to some show down there. Little Lizzie Vert. There's there's a million (laughs) Lil Wayne. So who's this dude? Lil Based. What's his name? Lil B, the Base God. The Base God? Based God. Yeah. Based God. Yeah. Ask, Ask your son about him. He'll know him. You're never trying to get cursed by Lil B. That's all I know. Yeah, Sir Boy Wonder says, uh, Tom should rap a Lil B song. Oh, let's get you in. So this- does Andrew. Let me look up because I love when my oh, son brings go. up these guys. I go. love looking up. <laughs> here we go. You're not going to read everything out loud. Yeah. Lil B. Because there's Lil Baby, too. That's another one, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so everybody's got something going on, right? All right, Lil B. Let's go. check out our man here, okay? <laughs> no, yeah. I, listen, I'm not going to read it all, okay? I mean, he literally... I'm not going to read it all. He, Just relax. He has a song, Thank God I'm Based. Um, yes, his alter ego is the based God. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he's from the Bay Area, um, which more than likely... Yeah, he's from Berkeley, California, right up the road. Says it ha- that he has a um, his extensive use... Uh, he describes his work as based, okay, a term which denotes a lifestyle of positivity and tolerance and is noted for his extensive use of social media to build an online cult following, it says. Started rapping at the age of 15, did Lil B. Anything else we need to know about him? I think you're good. We're good? Here's one thing that's interesting about him, okay? When he was a little kid, early in the morning, the apartment he lived in caught on fire. It was an electrical fire. Little B and six other people were saved by a 15-year-old kid who ran through the entire apartment building and saved every one of them. Wow. What a story. But boy, he's had to, oh boy, now I see why uh, I probably shouldn't be getting into some of this stuff with old B. <laughs> he, um, he certainly has, uh, yeah. There's some character in his songs. Well, he's, he's not very popular uh, in certain groups of people. Nope. We'll just leave it at that. No sense in going down that road. But we've learned about bass today, so we're on a roll. All right, Tom, one more thing. Yes, sir. Elon Musk just said that he's searching for a new CEO of Twitter. Mm. Your, th- your thoughts? 
Well, you know, look, uh, and it's not to get overly political, but some of this stuff that has come out in the last number of days, man, I mean, this is some, I, I don't care what your political slant is. This stuff that's coming out and what went on in our intelligence community and the FBI and social media and the Democratic Party, th this stuff is terrifying, scary stuff. And I find it just so ironic that all of these groups of people, a number of them should be in jail for what they've done. This is the ultimate violation, ultimate violation of, of what the government's supposed to be doing in regard to free speech and letting some get out and completely shutting down others. I mean, th th this stuff is terrifying if you're just an American citizen. Because if you flip the script and did it the other way, there would be people losing their minds. But, but this whole thing... And, and so for now people to get upset um, with Musk for, for, for basically just saying, okay, here's everything you need to know. We're throwing it all out there. First Amendment, the, the, you judge what you want to judge. And here's all I know. This is all I know about Elon Musk. Okay, I don't know the guy. There are things you like about people, things you don't like about people. Okay, ask yourself one single question. Would you want your son or daughter in multiple ways to be more like Elon Musk or more like James Clapper? Would you want your son or daughter to be more like Elon Musk or Taylor Lorenz? You tell me. This guy is an entrepreneur, he's a scientist, he's an innovator. He's a capitalist. Has he been perfect? Absolutely not. But that guy's a winner. A winner. All right. So I didn't mean to get off base. No, no, you're good. Off base. Let's, let's, let's try to uh, steer the conversation back into the sports. Indeed. Let's go. Casey, uh, jolly on, jolly and on. i know where jolly jolly falls on all this believe me he's in the james clapper camp um he says i'll sell you some tesla stock okay and Lorup says yeah he sacked half his employees yes he did for damn good reason so go ahead <laughs> where are we going back to sports casey steer this you know, ship wait, wait. you know elon musk would you like him as owner of the reds I think he would qualify as the richest owner in sports immediately, right? Probably. Probably. I, think, I think the wealthiest guy, if I'm not mistaken, the wealthiest owner of all professional sports franchises since Paul Allen passed is the guy that owns a franchise in L.A., Stan Kroenke. I believe he's the wealthiest of all the owners in sports. The guy with the New York Mets is right there behind him. Oh, Steve Cohen? Yeah, but if, if, if Elon Musk bought a team... He would then be the guy, for sure. All right. What about go. what about Bezos to the Commanders? Bezos buys the Commanders. I mean, it, it Bezos? wasn't the whole Is it Bezo Bezos. It's Bezos. Is that Bezos? Bezos, Be Bezos, tomato, Bezos. tomato, whatever. Ferrera. Ferrera. And, Ferrera. and the guy, the guy, the <laughs> other guy that's got a lot of the cash. And I had said Paul Allen when he owned the Seahawks, but the other guy, Ballmer, has got a lot of cash out there with the Clippers. Because Ballmer became CEO at Microsoft, 
after Gates and Allen and that whole crew stepped aside. Ballmer, Ballmer's got to be right up there, but he's not Elon Musk. Hang on. Be- Bezos? Hang on. I'm not going to let you get away with this. Bezos? I thought you were just doing a bit. It's I thought- Bezos? I've yes. always said Bezos. Oh, my God. Maybe I have said Bezos, and I just always think it's Bezos. It's Bezos. This is a bit. Paul, they, they didn't teach you that at Xavier. They taught you Bezos. Maybe it is Bezos. Yeah. Yeah, see? All right, Casey, what do we got? Let's, well, the conversation about Elon. Let's move it along. Being the owner. That was a really good conversation in the chat, but there's something before that. Oh. That everyone just seems to always bring up in the chat. What's that? The Patrick Mahomes versus Joe Burrow. Oh, in the MVP conversation. I mean, I, I was just sitting here reading it the whole time. I'm like, what? Are we really having this conversation? Well, Pat Mahomes is like the far and away favorite to win. It's not even close. He's minus 350, and nobody else even has close to minus odds. Let me say that again. Patrick Mahomes is minus 350 to win the MVP. Patrick Mahomes is ahead of Jalen Hurts. Oh, it's not even close. Mahomes is minus 350. Josh Allen is plus 550. And then Jalen Hurts is tied with Allen at plus 550, and Burrow's at 600. Yeah, I mean, it's... That's, it's not even close. It's not even, it's not even a discussion right it's now. It's a stats award. It's not based off of performance against good teams. It's got nothing to do with that. It's all about the stats. I don't know. I, I don't like the award. I thought Joe Burrow should have won it last year. All right. File this away for a second. Patrick Mahomes this year has 35 touchdowns. He's thrown 11 picks. Okay. 35 and 11. Okay. And I know that's not everything. I get that. But let's look up real quick uh, Jalen Hurts. Okay. Let's take a look at his stats. Was that, was that Josh or was that? That was, that was Patrick Mahomes. That was Patrick. Okay. Double check that. I may, I may have looked it up wrong. Jalen Hurts has thrown 22 touchdown passes, but of course they run the ball a lot more than Kansas City does. So he doesn't have nearly the number of attempts. Their completion percentage is exactly the same. Mahomes is thrown for about 600 more yards. Hurts is thrown for 22 touchdowns and five interceptions. Five. Quarterback rating of 105. What is Mahomes' quarterback rating this year if you get wrapped up in all that kind of stuff? He is at 105 as well. Hertz is slightly higher. But Philadelphia is a much more rounded offense this year in the regular season. I'm not saying they're a better offense in Kansas City, but they are by far a more well-rounded. And the last time I checked, Philadelphia's lost one game. How in the world is Patrick Mahomes ahead of Jalen Hurts? Yeah, hang on a second. Have you seen the rushing stats? Well, I mean, they're insane for her. Oh, let's go. How many? So he's got 747 rush That's yards what I'm saying. This and 13 guy, touchdowns. He's not going to play. It looks like they're going to watch out for his shoulder. This guy could have been a 4,000-yard passer or 3,500-yard passer. No, 4,000. He could have gotten a fees of 35, whatever it is right now. And he could have been damn near a 1,000-yard rusher. And you're going to put Patrick Mahomes ahead of him for the MVP? It's ridiculous. What are they basing? I'm being totally serious now about this. I'm not being confrontational. I'm not being anything. What, what, 
what could be the answer or the reason that Patrick Mahomes would be ahead of Jalen Hurts for the MVP? And we're taking Burrow out of this because I think Burrow's better than Mahomes. But I don't think Burrow's had a better year than Hurts. They just left Patrick Mahomes. I don't get it. I feel like Jalen Hurts should be there. He's had a better season, in my opinion. And a better team. And a better team. Yep. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, Andrew brings up, this is a great point here. Um, Says, um, says Hurts is what everyone says Lamar Jackson is. Yes, I agree with that. Hurts is a better player than Lamar Jackson. I agree. He throws the ball far better than Jackson. Now, Jackson's an extremely dynamic runner. There's no doubt. But, I mean, it's not like Hertz is all that far behind as a runner. No. 700 and something rushing yards? 13 touchdowns. I mean, that would put him at 35, along with uh, Patrick in passing. Everett says Hertz has a better team than Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is more key to their success than Hertz, hence the MVP. I, I don't know how anybody, Everett, and, and, and we love you being here all the time, I don't know how anybody in their right mind says that anybody is more important to their team so far this season than Jalen Hurts. That's their whole, their whole offensive scheme is based off of it. Off of him being able to run the ball. He runs like an RPO. They throw to the, the flats a lot. But then they throw it over the top to A.J. Brown. And I don't know if any of you watched. I only had to watch one game. If you go back and watch them play against Pittsburgh, you know everything you need to know about this guy. He throws it on the dot, 30, 40 yards yep. down the field to A.J. Brown. Yep. He looks like Joe Burrow in the backfield but can run and run you over. To, he, he's such a unique quarterback to me. We're still talking about Hurts here? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I love the line, and, and this will get us to Chris Welsh here in a minute to talk about Tom Browning. But here's what I love. Poofy-haired fancy boy with a Marty Brenneman picture of big hair <laughs> as his profile pic says, Hurts so good. Sometimes love don't feel like it should. See, you guys are too young to know that song, aren't you? Oh, come on, Tom. Who, who's the singer of that song? Oh, I don't know, but I could sing you it for you. You don't know? Tom, if it was before 1996, I don't know it. Oh, my God. In pop culture? Golly, they were talking about Little B, and I just give the quote, the song, the lyrics to one of the John great Mellencamp. Songs. John Cougar Mellencamp. John Mellencamp. The Pride of where does he make his home he's at every sporting event they play oh uh i almost trust he's at every sporting uh, event they have a building named after yes. him there uh yes i know i know this because i see it. i oh i do know this answer tom you're gonna kill me here what's the answer Call, just tell me, because I'm not going to get it. Tell me the answer. The Indiana Hoosiers. Oh, God, I was going to say that. Bloomington, I was, Indiana. I was thinking Mark Cuban, too, because of Cuban's whole deal with all the donations. They were talking about Cuban yep. and, and Mellencamp yep. together. Yep. Uh, not that they're, like, friends or anything. I mean, I'm 
but uh, I'm sure they know each other pretty well from from their Indiana connection. Brutal, brutal. Yep, yep. I've seen them at games there when I've done games there before, football games, and they've got some big building out in the. Um, I, I don't know what what the the purpose of the building is, but it's out in the parking lot out beyond the football stadium out there, and he still lives there, and has never left there, Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, do we have Chris Welsh in the house yet? Uh, it looks like he's dialed in, but I don't see anything. I don't see any audio. Don't see any video. So let's take a break real quick. Okay. Um, okay. Jolly Jolly's asking about Frank Sinatra. Jolly Jolly, what are you, what are you asking there? You know where he's from? Yes. All right, I give, you, I give you 10 bucks, Paul. You tell me the hometown of Frank Sinatra. It's turned into one of the coolest towns in the United States. There was a time it was great. It went to the complete tank. And in the last number of years, it has been on a comeback like none other. Austin, Texas. Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I didn't ask George Strait. Um, uh, oh, my God. I was just trying to... Um, uh, hold on, hold on. Let Hoboken, New Jersey. We're back with Chris oh, Welsh in just a moment. I thought New York area. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We're working through a few technical difficulties with uh, Chris Welsh coming up here uh, momentarily. Uh, by, by the way, I, I just want to address one uh, uh, text in the chat uh, here a second. Uh, Everett saying, if you want to say Hertz is the MVP, fine, but to laugh at the fact that uh, – Mahomes has a shot is just ridiculous. Nobody's laughing at Patrick Mahomes having a shot. Not at all. Not in the least bit is anybody laughing at Patrick Mahomes being in the conversation. He should be in a conversation. His team might be the number one seed in the AFC when all is said and done. Might be. And he's a great player. And I'm the one who, who regularly argues for how great of a player and a run he's had. I mean, every year he's been there as a starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. They've won their divisional championship. They've won seven in a row. They went from Alex Smith right into Patrick Mahomes. So nobody here is laughing at Patrick Mahomes. I'm just saying that I think this year, based on the body of work, and you take all things into account, along with the team success, that, that hurts running, throwing, all those sorts of things. His team's lost one game. Um, that he should be the MVP. Everett's saying that Casey was laughing at it. I, I don't think Casey was, but if you think he was, maybe he was. I don't know. Uh, do we have Chris or no? We're working on Okay. Uh, so hopefully he'll come up uh, here in a minute to talk about Tom Browning and the sad passing. Uh, Tracy Jones will be joining the program uh, coming up to talk more about Tom Browning uh, at 1130. Uh, Chris is kind enough to get up and at him, so hopefully we can get these technical uh, things straightened out because he's up and at him early to join us from uh, Arizona. Well, of course, it won't be all that long before the Reds are uh, cranking it up. Hard to believe that the Reds will be cranking it up for uh, spring training in the not-too-distant future, and, and they really obviously have not done very much. We'll ask Chris a little bit about, you know, looking ahead of the Reds and their uh, young pitching that they have, and there's, there's certainly uh, – Reason to be excited about that. Uh, the team has not done much, well, not done anything, uh, in regard to um, free agents, although there's still a lot of time between now and, and spring training. 
should they decide to do something about that. Nice to have Sharon Peters back in the house today. She only shows up when Tracy's going to be on. She likes Tracy. Loves Tracy. I mean, some of the comments she makes in the chat, I can't repeat on the air. No. She loves Tracy. She does. Uh, Seth had said, yeah, Sharon said, you only show up when Tracy Jones is on here. Says, I'm on here every day. She says, basically, that's about right. Got some Merry Christmases in the chat. Yeah. Christmas is right around the corner. Five days. Yep. Still working on this? Yeah. I, you know what? Tell Chris thank you. Uh, we we got to figure out what, uh, what's going on with, with some of our stuff. Uh, last couple of days, whether it was, I, I don't know if it's on their end, our end. I, I don't know what it is. But uh, Brian Billick, we had to cut short yesterday. I hate asking guys to come on, especially when they're in the Pacific time zone uh, and, and they get up to do it and, um, and we're having uh, some issues. So um, well, we'll see if we can get them on here. Otherwise, um, yeah, we'll see. Okay. All right. Yeah, lots of Merry Christmases. And uh, this is Christmas week. And we all have so much uh, to be thankful for. Uh, Paul, the, uh, the Muskies are back at it. Is that tomorrow night? Is that right? Tonight. Tonight. Seton Hall at home, 830. At, now, well, uh, what's the story on Seton Hall? At Seton Hall, they're having a decent season. They're 7-5. and five. Uh, They have a new coach, Shaheen Holloway, which if you watched St. Peter's last year, yeah, the run of the right. that's right. Elite that's Eight. Right. Yep. Yep. He was the coach for St. Peter's, Kevin Willard, who was the old coach at Seton Hall. I wouldn't say Kevin Willard was necessarily a bad coach. He just kind of got stale at Seton Hall. The fans kind of got tired of it. It was just one of those things where he'd been there for so long. They didn't have a ton of tournament success under under Kevin Willard. Really, not any tournament success under Kevin Willard. Things went south, went to Maryland. Maryland's having a great year. They're just outside the top 25 right now. They had a bad loss to UCLA. But, yeah, uh, Xavier hasn't beaten UC, uh, Seton Hall at Cintas since Chris Mack was the coach. They're 0 for their last four. Wow. Travis Steele never beat Seton Hall at Cintas. So You know, it's an interesting move, that that, uh, that move going from Seton Hall where, you know, as you said, I mean, they had some good regular seasons but not any success in the postseason. The Maryland job is a much better job. I mean, that's a big step up. Uh, especially with the Under Armour support that they have there. Uh, I think his name's Kevin Plank, the guy, the, the Under Armour, like Mr. Under Armour. Well, of course. Uh, is, yeah, yeah, is yeah. a Maryland guy. Uh, so you get a ton of uh, support there at, at that Maryland program. Um, and for what it's worth, you get the, the publicity from Scott Van Pelt, too, when you're, when you're good. It's always good to have a, a national brand like that on Sports Center. Of course. You know. Uh, for, for what that's worth. But, yeah, so Kevin Willard goes down there. I mean, Maryland's having a good season. But I, I think it'll be a fun game tonight at, at Cintas. Xavier's favored by eight and a half. Uh, but in a Big East like this, you, you, you never know. Dayton plays tonight. Um, Dayton's having a tough season. Dayton, no, I mean, what, what has happened there? Dayton, they were in the preseason top 25. And, we, you know, we'll start paying a lot more attention to college basketball once we start getting, you know, into serious conference playing, getting closer to the tournament. And Seth Davis will join the program once we get later in the year. I don't know if we'll ever get Sean Miller on, but that's a the whole different deal. Maybe we'll have Wes on again. Dayton. <laughs> Dayton, uh, Dayton, yeah, they, they, they're seven wins. They don't have a single win above quad four, which basically means they don't have a, a, a win that matters yet in the season. And that includes the game against Wyoming this past Saturday. Uh, yeah, Dayton, they've had a couple of injuries. They haven't beaten any high major teams that really matter or, or, or are having a good season at this point. Um, I see a question in the chat. 
how legit is Marquette? They're really good. I, the, Marquette and Butler were my two picks in the Big East to surprise some people. And all of a sudden, Marquette's in the top 25. They beat Baylor by like 30 a few weeks ago. Marquette's having a fantastic season. Shaka Smart is there. He made a miracle run to the Final Four. You remember that? About 10, 11 years ago. Oh, yeah, but that's BCU. been a long time ago. Oh, that's a, I mean, he's I been mean a, that's a long time ago. He's been ago. at two stops since then. He went from VCU to Texas, now Texas to Marquette. Um, Anthony Grant gone stale. It, I don't want to write off Anthony Grant completely yet, but the it, UD has just been – it's just injuries. I mean, your, your two best players, Kobe Elvis, has been hurt. Malachi Smith got hurt. Um, you're looking at two guys that are really important pieces to your team that have both been injured. Um, big, significant injuries. So, yeah, Dayton for a team that was – a sneaky pick to have some success in the tournament this year, a top 25 preseason team. They've just – their season, barring a run in the A-10 tournament, they're not making the NCAA tournament this year. Kentucky has looked terrible uh, this year against teams that matter. They lost by 10 against UCLA over the weekend. I know we talked a little bit about that yesterday. Um, but, uh, yeah, UK, looking at Sir Boy Wonder – UK is, is having a tough year. M well, the people who want to take the shots in Kentucky better get them in now. Well, but see. I, look, you can lay out all those numbers for me and all the struggles. It's December. But, but see, that's the thing, though, is that we've been saying that. But last year, they lose to St. Peter's. So, yes, yeah, so I, I don't want to say St. Peter's was a fluke because they beat Purdue. They went to the Elite Eight. They, it wasn't like they just beat Kentucky in the 15 – Right. As a 15 seed and then got killed in the second right. game, right? Like, St. Peter's had a little more to it than just the one game on the opening day. But think about the season before. Kentucky went 9-16 and 16 the season before. Seven games under 500. I know that was the COVID year, but still, 9-16 and 16 for Kentucky, and then you lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament. I mean, the year before that, you're not in the tournament because there was no tournament. Um, and in 2019, I mean, that was the year that they were the two seed and, and lost to Auburn in overtime. So it, I just, I don't know. I, I think Calipari's as wild as it is to say for somebody that felt like he had a lifetime contract at Kentucky. The patience is wearing really thin, and I don't necessarily blame them when you're 4-13 and 13 in your last 17 games against ranked teams. And the constant narrative is they're going to get better, they're going to get better, they're going to get better, and they should. They won't be 9-16. and 16. They're still in the top 25, and they're, they're still in all the predictive, like if you look at Ken Palm or any of the other ones. I mean, they're still number 8, uh, or not number 8, but they're they're high up. They're, yeah, they are number 8 in Ken Palm right now. So. You know, they're a very good defensive team, but boy, oh boy, they cannot score the basketball right now. And they can't shoot the ball either, which is the real issue. Yeah, and I don't know how much you can teach shooting once you get to a certain point in time. Uh, yeah. You know, guys either got they're a good shooter or they're not a good shooter. Of course, you can get better with practice and that kind of thing. But look, you know, we've talked about it before. Um, whether you're talking Kentucky basketball, Ohio State football, there are certain programs out there um, that, you know, your fan base will go south in a hurry because the expectations are so high. They are so high at places like those two. It's not to say there aren't others. Alabama football clearly is right in that kind of thing. They're not in the playoff uh, this year. Clemson, not as long and sustaining as Ohio State uh, or somebody like that. But Kentucky is Kentucky. And when you're bringing in the kind of players that they're bringing in uh, year in and year out, um, you're expected – to show results when it matters. Yeah. And they'll go south on Cal in a heartbeat. Yeah, Matt Jones from Kentucky Sports Radio did a really good thread on it the other day and talking about 
why the expectations at Kentucky are so high and why Cal needs to be judged the way he is right now. And because Kentucky thinks of themselves, rightfully so, I'm not saying they shouldn't, but Kentucky is one of the blue bloods. They're, they're one of the best programs in the entire sport. They are the best because they have always been the best. And now in the last few years where you are intending on having so much success, you haven't. And sure, you can say, okay, we made an Elite Eight a few years ago back in, like I said, I think that was 2019. Um, but then now in the last three years, like you go nine and 16, a couple of years ago, you lose to St. Peter's and now all of a sudden the offense looks mediocre at best with potentially the national player of the year and Oscar Sheebway coming back. And, and you think that Cal's maybe going the more experienced route where he gets CJ Frederick, a transfer in from Iowa as a shooter, you get Oscar Sheebway to come back as a national player of the year. Doesn't go to the draft. He comes back. And you're still putting up 53 points against UCLA? Can't be doing that. Well, I'm not I mean, saying you have look, to beat you know, UCLA. You always have but... to ask yourself the question, who are you going to replace him with? I mean, oh, you I know, know. that's the question you always have to ask yourself. Is before you're going to fire somebody who's won a national championship, who, you know, recruits like crazy, you, you better make damn sure you got the guy, right guy to replace him. I don't know if that's a guy like Mark Few. If he would consider a move like that, um, I don't, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if he would or he wouldn't. I have no idea. And quite frankly, I could care less whether he leaves Gonzaga <laughs> and goes anywhere. It makes no difference to me one way or the other. All I'm saying is you better find somebody that can replace him. Yep. Because those guys don't fall out of trees. Uh, I think that the, the, the jury, even though he got to the championship game a year ago, you talk about blue bloods. Um, it is fair because I think they're even more of a blue blood than Kentucky. And that's North Carolina. You know, I mean, everybody high on Hubert Davis right now? Probably not. Probably not. All right. Um, we have him twice a week, although we didn't have him last week on Thursdays. Too busy changing trains and all that kind of thing. And um, uh, on his way to California, his third trip out to California. But let's start with the train. Tracer, I'm assuming by now you are in California. How was the trip? Yeah, Tommy, I apologize for not being on uh, the other day because I was making uh, the transfer from Chicago to another train and there was no service. And, sure. And that train thing, I'm not really that hip on it now. I didn't like it. I realized that I don't like people, period, period. I don't. I mean, I like you guys, but that's about it. Well, wait, 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 wait a minute. Let, let, let's different. back up on that. Hours. Let, let's back up oh, yeah. a second. You said, you, and by the way, that is a pretty fancy place you're sitting in there. Is that some crib you're renting or is that a relative's crib or what, what's the deal? It's Danae's mom's fifth place. It's in Ventura <laughs> right on the beach. It's pretty mild. I mean, it's, if you had to buy it, it was probably $3.7 So it's it's pretty conservative place. But that's one of our five properties that we're staying at. That's the one Very who drives modest. a $270,000 Porsche. Tom, please, let's not exaggerate $267,000 Porsche. And by the way, do you guys notice how I'm wearing my hat a little different? She's going to be here in about a half hour and she says, listen, turn your hat around. You're not 12 years old, okay? Wear your hat right, so I have to wear my hat straight up like this. What is or that hat? Is that Long Beach or what is that lid? 
Very good. That's the Dirtbags, Long Beach State. This is their hat. They gave it to Hunter when they were trying to recruit him. So this hat's like 11 years old. I don't know if you see it's kind of falling apart. But That's yeah, a sweet lid. Cool I, I like the look of that hat. Sweet hat. I like that. But let's get back to the people thing here. Um, you said you had your own private quarters there on the train, uh, if I remember right. So I'm assuming when you're saying you're around people, I mean, obviously you're stuck on some kind of a car, but how much reaction do you really have to have with people? Were you guys dining? Is there like a dining car? I've never made that kind of trip before. You ask really good questions, Tom. That's exactly the issue. So when you sit down for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, there's tables, but they sit you with someone else. So it's not like Danae Ooh. and I can just take a table really right and sit across from each other we have to sit with these people and of course you know 90 percent of the people know who i am it's like here oh let me sign an autograph i was a huge fan of yours when you played with the expos yeah it just goes on and on and on but i don't want to sit there and introduce myself talk what do you do and when they ask me what i do i just say i'm retired <laughs> that's what i say i don't want to go what i did you know or i'll just say google me Something like that. But spending time with people I don't know, I don't like it. I really don't. And I, I got to tell you, you I mean, like I would not much, uh, I would not much like that being seated with, uh, with people that no. I, I don't know. No, no. Nah, so I, I no, like no kind of like, you know, funny business, that kind of thing with some of the couples you met, like you've had in the past down in Cancun. I mean, nothing <laughs> like that, right? Uh, it, well, you know, I was looking, at, I was eyeing this one couple, but, you know, again, it's, it's uh, you know, of course, they're from Great Britain. <laughs> I don't know what's with those Brits. They're very sketchy. Have you said hello to but, the Ham and Eggers this morning, by the way, speaking of sketchy? Good morning, Tracy. Hi, boys. Hello, Tracy. Hey, How are you Casey, today? I, I'm doing good, but Casey, I would not do this for... Uh, your honeymoon. I, I like the, it's more of an established someone that's been around the tracks, so to speak, to take a train because it's too close for your honeymoon. You should make it something romantic. And I'm not sure a 50 hour uh, train ride fits that. Tra Tracy, K Casey was telling me the other day that he is in the process right now of planning the honeymoon. We asked him how the wedding planning process was going. And he said, well, we're on the honeymoon planning process. Okay. Case, where are you going? Uh, one of our top options was your suggestion about doing a train trip. <laughs> no, that's a horrible trip. Horrible idea. I'll, I'll just okay, that was know. Tom's idea. <laughs> he also suggested Six Flags to me. He said there was a nice resort right outside of a Six Flags. Said he could mix it in the water park. You'd get the beach aesthetic, all of that in one place. Yeah, because, you know, the, the Kings Island thing, the Great Wolf Lodge... Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that's right here. If I go to Six Flags, it's, you know, that's a good distance. Yeah. Six Flags where? In Southern California? <laughs> Excuse me. No. No, the one outside Chicago. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? What are you, what are you 10 years old and you want to ride some rides? Come on, grow up. That's affordable. No, take them to ha Planet Hollywood. Down yeah, I mean, that I was a good suggestion he gave you, Case. Did you look into that? No, I need to. I need to write that down. You got to write that down because, I mean, he, he said it was affordable and he said it was a nice place and a nice setup and all that kind of thing. So let's look into that. Um, 
Tracy, I, I, I want to shift gears to a very serious note. Obviously, you're out there in California, but you got the news like everybody else around here. Uh, the passing of Tom Browning. I mean, you go way, way back with Tom Browning. You remember the first time you were ever around him, first time you ever met him where you were? Well, Tom and I, have I've known Tom for probably 40 years, and I've got to tell you that that one yesterday when I got a call from Scott Sloan of 700WLW, <clears throat> excuse me, and he said, you know, Tom Browning passed away. It, it really, I had a rough day yesterday. I, I will tell you this. The first game that I ever played in the minors was when Tom Browning was the opening night pitcher with the Tampa Tarpons in A-ball. And Tom was pitching, we were playing against St. Pete Cardinals. And Tom was the pitcher and I was playing third base. The score, Tom pitched all nine innings. The score we won, I think seven to four. Tom gave up four runs. Here's the catch on this. They were all four unearned runs. I was playing third base, I made three errors. So. If I hadn't made those three errors, and this is the honest to God truth, and Tom never said anything when we were playing, but afterwards, every time I would see him, he would bring that up. He would have pitched a complete game shutout. So that was three errors, honest to God, no exaggeration, and Tom was just masterful. I think he gave up two hits. Uh, you know how fast he worked, right? Yeah. So it was a fast game. And I, I just, I, I'm going to miss Tom because I would go to his bar and have a couple of cocktails with him. We'd talk about former players. He didn't, Tom was from Wyoming. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. And he really didn't like guys from California. There were a couple guys that he played with in the minors that he didn't like. And they were from California. He says, you know, you California people are a little different. He liked me. We got along. He liked Eric Davis and stuff. But there were a couple of guys that he played with in California. One guy actually was a shortstop that I played with in college, Vinny Rover. And Vinny made a couple of errors in a game in uh, just spring training. And Tom Browning got on him. He didn't get on me when I made three errors, but he got on Vinny Rover. And Vinny Rover walked up to him. He says, if you say one more thing, he says, I'm going to break that golden left arm of yours. <laughs> and I got in between them, broke it up. They were ready to go to blows. And Tom always brings that, brought those stories up about Vinny Rover and not liking that guy too much, but what a hell of a pitcher. You know, um, you, you hear, and, and look, you were around him forever. I, I've been around him, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times. He just, he, he treated everybody, I thought, maybe except for uh, Vinny, uh, but he, he just <laughs> treated people, you know, so well. It didn't matter who you are, what your plight was in life. Uh, whether, you know, you were on top of the mountain or, or scurrying around down the bottom of the ocean. Uh, he always had a smile and, and, and just he was always just fun to be around and a kind, easygoing guy. But 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 that that certainly was not reflective once he took the ball and stepped on the mound. Right. No, he was a totally different guy once. And a lot of pitchers are like that. We talked about Jack Morris. We talked about Randy Johnson being a different when they're pitching. But Tommy would get on you if he was pitching and you didn't hustle. He didn't like that. You make an error, that's all right. You not hustling for a ball, that's a problem. We were playing against Houston at uh, Riverfront. And Glenn Davis, you remember Glenn Davis, Tom, sure. right? yeah. First baseman, good hitter. He hits one down the third base line. Cal's playing 
left. I'm playing center. And Cal jogs to get the ball, right? Glenn Davis, who couldn't run a lick, ends up at third base. So Cal comes back to the dugout, and Tom meets him right at the, the edge of the dugout and says, what the hell was that, Cal? Run after the damn ball. And Cal looked at, at, looked at Tom and said, I didn't throw it. And that mm. was that. But he didn't like it when you loafed. You know, uh, Tracy, we had Paul Doherty on earlier. And, and look, you've been in the area uh, ever since your playing career came to the end. You've made this your home. Tom Browning did the same thing. Uh, you mentioned from Cody, Wyoming. This became his full-time home. Look, this guy, uh, uh, like a lot of us, you know, had his ups and downs. Uh, and life was certainly not easy uh, for this guy uh, in the last number of years, and especially for his kids, and now raising his grandkids. Um, yes. You know, w w when you would visit with him, ha had you been worried about him for a while? I, I think it's safe to say there were a lot of people that have been worried about him for a while. No, I really wasn't worried about Tom. I, I thought he was all right. I knew he had diabetes. I knew that he was taking care of his grandkids, right? He right. stubbed his toe or hit his toe on one of the grandkids' toys. Is this, and he didn't take care of it because he was diabetic, ended up having to have his toe amputated. And I thought that really was kind of like he started to go downhill a little bit. The last couple of times I saw him, but I thought Tom was doing all right. People, people love Tom Browning. So when he went out and sometimes I was out with him, he got a lot of attention. Yeah, he, um, he, everybody loved the guy. In fact, my dad, you know, was telling me last night on the phone um, that he was with him two days ago uh, at an event. Oh, really? And, and said that he had looked better, uh, at least my dad thought, that he had looked better than he had at any point in time in the last couple of years. He had finally gained some weight after losing a bunch of weight. Uh, he, had, he had good color to his skin. Uh, and appeared to be doing very, very well. This guy did anything the Reds asked him to do. I mean, anything, and, and just loved doing it. Uh, it, it was really kind of crazy. I mean, you go with people, and I'd been with Tom a couple of times, and everybody calls him Mr. Perfect. First of all, it's tough for me to call him Tom. I called him Puggy. Do you know where yeah. I got that yeah. nickname from? Yeah. You know, that's Pete's nickname that he gave him, Puggy. Really? I didn't that know that. Pete. Tell me that story. How yeah. did you get that story? Yeah. Yeah, Pete never called him Tom or never called him. He might call him. He didn't call him Bulldog or anything. That was Puggy. And, that's, and he would say that all the time. And he taught, Pete Rose was a huge fan of Tom Browning because you love Tom. He was a gamer. Tom, there was one game, and maybe you were broadcasting it. Do you remember the game in Candlestick Park when he was hitting? Yeah, I was going to tell that day? story. I was going to tell that story later. Yes, indeed. Remember, remember when he got hit in the eye yep. and it started to bleed and his eyes started to swell up. So you think he's coming out of the game. So he comes back to the dugout. We're ready to, you know, send another pitcher out there. They said, Hey, I'm fine. And Larry Starr, the trainer put a butterfly yep. over there to stop the bleeding. That son of a gun went out there and finished his at bat. Do I have that story right? That was a long time. You, you know what? It's funny because um, uh, I was not doing the game. I think that would have been probably around, what, 86, 87, something like that? 87. Maybe. Okay, 87. yeah, I wasn't doing the games yet. I heard that story through Bob Brimley, who was a longtime yeah. catcher for the Giants, 
uh, all-star, my former partner for many, many years, both at Fox and the Diamondbacks and the Cubs. But he was the catcher in that game when it happened. And he told me that story. He said, man, I, he said, of all the things I've seen, and he said, I've seen some crazy stuff. You hang around baseball or yeah. life long enough. He said, this dude splits his, like you said, his eye open. It's bleeding all yes. over the place. You're thinking he's going to have to come out of the game. He said, the next thing you know, they're stitching this thing, butterflying this thing, whatever they're doing. And, and the guy walks up. And there he is. He said, and I get down to crouch in the batter's box, and I just looked at him and said, man, you are a gamer. And as you know, from one player to another, when you hear that from an opposing player, that's as high a compliment as you're going to get. He took pride in that. You know, the, the old nickname, the Bulldog, all that stuff. He's got all those nicknames. But people love Tom Browning. And I'll tell you, I don't know if you've touched on this, Tom. Remember he had that special pitch that no one throws anymore, right? Yep. The screwball. Yep. Uh, and he had great arm action. I don't know whatever happened to screwball. You know, one pitch that I could not hit. Well, there's many pitches I couldn't hit. But the screwball was my toughest. You know, whether it was Fernando, I faced Tom Browning. His screwball was nasty. And that was his pitch. And I think really the success of Tom was working really fast. And his players, his position players always play good defense because you knew he was getting the ball and, and throwing it, getting it and throwing it. I mean, he'd pitch games right there every game, probably right around 210, wouldn't you say? I mean, it yeah, was yeah, a yeah, fast, yeah, fast Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is, he is, he, I mean, I, I, that, that's a guy you take video of and you show it to every single young pitcher that's out there right now because your defense not your game in the minor leagues in Tampa, notwithstanding against St. Pete. But your defense right. is ready to play, and more times than not, when they're not getting bored. You know, it's like that, that thing about, you know, baseball and kids. When you start playing slow or you start walking guys or you're taking a long time in between pitches, you know, now Major League Baseball players don't have dandelions growing out in the outfield like they do in Little League parks or not whole parks. But, but I would imagine that, that playing behind a guy like Browning, you couldn't let yourself do anything but stay completely laser-focused while you're out there on defense. You, you did. You knew it was going to be a quick game and we could get out, especially if we're on the road and go to those strip bars that I like to frequent. And so did Tom, to be quite honest with you, but that's a whole different story. But, yeah, he worked fast. And, you know, Tom, he was a guy who was out of Wyoming, like you said, I forget what college he went to. He wasn't a high draft pick. He was a, he was a low tiny little school in Tennessee, like Tennessee yeah. Christian or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what a, what a great career. You know, he only had one losing season. Yeah, I mean, you look good. at some of his numbers. But you know what's funny, Tracy, is, and I was going to ask Chris Welsh about this, and we had some technical issues with him today, but um, – he went to uh, let's Tennessee Wesleyan University, Tennessee yes. Wesleyan, um, and a low draft pick. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, but this is a, the question I was going to ask you because you went through this with your son, although Hunter was not a pitcher. Um, let's see, Tom Browning was drafted. He started at uh, Lemoyne College in Syracuse. Was there for the three years. Then he goes to Tennessee Wesleyan College in Athens, Tennessee, and was a ninth-round pick. They stuck him in the Pioneer League. And if you can believe Billings. this, 
He led the Pioneer League in innings pitch, which is not a surprise, but led the Pioneer League in strikeouts. Then they sent him to the Fall Instructional League, and in 78 innings, he punches out 101 and goes 8-1 and one for that Tampa team you were talking about going back to uh, 1983. But here, here's the question I was going to ask you. This is, again, Tracy, we get into topics about baseball and why I mm-hmm. have so many issues with baseball on multiple levels now. Because Chris Welsh did go through this with his son, who within the last couple of years was a pitcher at the University of Louisville. He was a guy that did not throw more than 89 miles an hour, okay? You know and I know, because you took your son Tucker to all these showcase events. When he's this highly recruited high school player, eventually gets drafted by the Cleveland Indians. You know as well as I do, you're a left-hander that shows up throwing 85, 87, 88, 89 miles an hour, they're not even watching you throw five pitches anymore, the scouts in baseball today. Tom Browning would not be drafted today. I don't, I don't think Tom Browning hit 90 miles an hour, Tom. I could be wrong, but he's exactly the guy that would not get drafted. But saying all that, he was on the fast track. Someone from the Reds liked him because, remember, they had the great scouts there. And he was pushed through the system. That time I played with uh, with Tom in Tampa, he only pitched a few games. I mean, he was out of there and on his way to double A. He was on the fast track. So here's the deal with those type of pitchers. They'll give you a shot, maybe, but you better produce. Because if you don't produce, they'll release you. You know, a guy like Greg Maddox didn't throw hard. And do you ever see highlights of Greg Maddox back in A-ball? I mean, he was not a hard thrower, but he had really good numbers coming through the minors. So you just can't – they won't give you a second shot. They won't stay with you. Well, I mean, I mean, you, boy, you hit the nail on the head. you got a great memory, Tracy. I give it up to you. I mean, this is going back to 1983, and for you to remember all this like it's clockwork, and you're spot on. Yeah. So he was with that Tampa team that you were talking about in 83. He's only there for half the season. They send him to double-A where he throws another 117 innings. The next year, he starts a year at AAA, okay? Wins 12 games, leads the league in strikeouts. In July of that year, they bring him to the major leagues. So he was in A-ball half a year, or Pioneer League. Okay, now that's a low-level rookie. Starts the next year at single-A. He's there a half year, finishes a year at double-A half year. Starts the next year at AAA half year in the big leagues in his major league debut he beat Oral Harshizer and the Dodgers. Goes eight and a third innings in his major league debut, and he gives up one run. The next year, his first year, full year in the major leagues, he wins 20 games. First rookie to win 20 games going back to 1954. But I Here's still think with Tracy, he doesn't get – I'm with you, he doesn't the, get drafted – and here's the other part, okay? I keep getting back, and it's not to bash baseball because we're talking about Tom Browning here, but there's no way you're seeing a pitcher that year with you in a ball. In a half year, he well, throws 78 innings. In the second half of that year, he throws 117 innings. So this cat throws well over 200 innings. His first year of professional baseball. 
you're lucky to find a major league pitcher who throws 200 innings now. He didn't want to come out of the game. He wanted to finish the game. He didn't want to turn it over. He was, Tom Browning was just the opposite of a pitcher who was a five and dive guy. You know, like like a Scott Sanderson, I mean, Tom, you know that name. I mean, you give me five innings and I'm out there if I have the lead. Tom was exactly the opposite. Puggy wanted to finish the game. And what catches me off guard, and I didn't know this, and you've brought it up a couple of times, is the strikeouts. Yeah. I didn't know he struck that many guys out. On what pitch was that? Because he really didn't have a curveball. I mean, I think, and I keep thinking it was just fastball and a screwball. I could be wrong. I know he had another pitch, but those are the only two pitches I remember him throwing and working fast and throwing strikes, and he could spot the ball. Do you have any idea, and and maybe you don't, um, was he throwing, he had to have been to, to, to have that kind of success so young in his career. So he must have been throwing the screwball long before he became a professional pitcher, right? I think so. And I, I'm starting to think that his changeup was kind of that screwball. Because remember, he had real, I mean, as a hitter, I'm always breaking down pitchers. And I think he had such good arm action, fast arm action, and then he would turn it over a little bit. And like I said, it's it only it takes velocity off the pitch, but it also has movement down and away to a right-handed hitter. Uh, he was very difficult. And he had a, again, I'm giving you a scouting report on Tom Browning because I had to face him, a very good move to first base. He, was, he could fill his position. He could bunt. If you had a pitcher that needed to put down a bunt, he could do all the little things. A lot of Reds players back and then could do it all. And and Tom Browning was a pitcher that could hit a little bit, but he'd put down that bunt every single time. And if he didn't, he'd be very disappointed in himself. Um, you know, we just got so many incredible uh, points being made by so many and, and, and remembering, um, you know, Tom Browning and, and uh, you know, um, Tracy, you knew Joe Nuxall. We were talking with Paul Doherty about this earlier. You knew Sean Casey. I mean, you know both of them. Yep. You knew Joe, and you still know Sean and that kind of thing. Yep. What What, what was it, do you think, that uh, that made Tom Browning so popular with just the regular fans out there? Did, did he do something different he... than a lot of other guys? If you were giving him advice, you would say, you ought to be more like Tom Browning in what way? Because he's easygoing, he's approachable. I'll give you another nickname that he went by was Otis. Remember Otis from the Andy yeah. Griffith? I'm just telling you that, and everybody liked Otis, right? How can you not like Otis? And that's sometimes, you know, Pete would refer to him as Otis. Uh, he just had an easy way about him. He had that presence, but yet he was approachable. And he would sit down there, and and like I said, we'd go to the bar, and we would sit down and tie one on there for a little, and have a couple of cocktails and just tell stories. He's a great storyteller as mm -hmm. well. Um, but I, I just think he had, he just had some tough times, and I, I think he had a lot of responsibility with his kids, his grandkids, and uh, I just feel bad. I, I I do feel bad. I mean, being with someone and knowing him for almost forty years, that's kind of tough. And, you know, that's a hard thing um, and not getting too overly philosophical or deep. But, I mean, you know, the, the, the obviously reaction would be, you know, duh. You know, the older you get and you start watching people, you know, 
pass away that, that you've known forever. And yeah. my dad and I talk about this frequently because he's up, you know, now 80 years old uh, and people you've known forever start to pass away. I mean, it, it can be very much an eye-opening experience for not just the people, obviously, around him, his family, um, but for fans, for teammates. Uh, I, I have to believe if and when they have, when they have this funeral, and, and maybe they'll try and, and, and have it before <clears throat> uh, Christmas, I don't know. Um, but, but I would imagine, even with people and the holidays and all that kind of thing, it may not be Joe Nuxall's funeral, but it ain't going to be far behind. It's going to be huge, and he deserves it. He really does. But, Tom, you, you make some good points because yesterday was a tough day for me. And because I, you start having people die in your life. I used to be going to weddings. Now I'm going to funerals, yeah. and it's making it tough. And as far as your dad, your dad's 80, but I'm telling you, he looks 78. I'm sure he'll appreciate that when I see him later. He always We're does. having Christmas at his house tonight. Oh, really? What are you having for dinner? Uh, probably Skyline Dip. <laughs> Chick-fil-A. They're always <laughs> aiming to please the kids, Tracy. You know, him and Amanda, it's all about the kids. It's not about the adults. Although I could, I could eat either one of those from now until the cows come home. Are you, are you a big Skyline Paul- Dip guy, Skyline Chili guy, uh, Gold Star, whatever, Cincinnati Chili guy? Well, you know, Gold Star has a new – I've been eating their hamburger. I like their hamburger and fries. I'm not a big oh. fan of the chili. I, I like chili with beans and, and so on and so forth. Are you forth. being serious I, not- about this hamburger thing? Because yes. they are serving yeah. hamburgers now. Yep. and I, You've yep. actually tried one? Oh, it's really good. Ask the ham and Thank eggers. You. Thank you. No, I, I, cause yeah. I have said we don't, we don't have a Skyline or a Gold Star sponsorship here yet, so I don't have any problem saying this. I am not by any means a Gold Star chili guy, but there was a Gold Star that was more convenient to Xavier's campus than the Skyline was, and so there was a lot of times where I'd be hungry and I'd just go and get a cheeseburger, and everybody's like, a yep. cheeseburger from Gold Star? It's good. Yep. It's very good. Yep. Well, we got a lot of people in the chat right now. I mean, Everett. Um, Jordan, some others saying, man, these, these burgers, uh, Sir Boy Wonder, Steve Jones saying they're awesome. They're so good. I mean, they make a cheese. I like the fries there. What? The fries. I like the fries. The fries are really good. I didn't even know this. Gold Star has evolved from not being a chili place to now just being a very good burger chain. I had no idea about this. I mean, they still do the chili. I'm just saying that, like, they kind of realized, I guess, that they had something in this cheeseburger, and it's good. I mean, it's the better chili place to go anyway. That's just so wrong. That's you're already just there. Wrong. Just yeah. get a burger. That's wrong. I mean, you know, you that's can get wrong. into that whole thing. That, that's that's always up for debate. So you're not – what you're saying is, if I hear you right, Tracer, you're not, you're not a chili guy. No, you can get a can of Hormel chili without the beans. It's about 100 times better than both those wow. places. I'll tell you what, I, I'm a big fast food guy. You know what I had last night, Tom? What? You'll appreciate this. What's El that? Polo Loco. El oh, yeah. Polo Loco. Yep, had that before. There yep, yep. solid. And solid. last night, the time before, I had In-N-Out Burger. I was getting right. That's where I was going next. Now, yeah. you know, there's Very a good. place for people in this part of the country. Uh, we don't have those here. They remind me in many, many ways of, of Chick-fil-A. And what I mean by that is 
every time you go, the consistency factor is fantastic. The service is good. The product is always good. It's very rare you would walk into uh, a Chick-fil-A or a, um, or, um, uh, why am I, in and out and, and, and not walk out and feel like, okay, solid, right? Solid. Well, I, I'm a burger guy. I'm an expert on hamburgers. Yeah. I love hamburgers. I mean, even the new ham, see, I'm a little hungry and I'm fasting today, so I won't eat till, you know. Another 15 hours, so I'm already <laughs> hungry. Uh, and Arby's, Arby's got a good burger too. They rolled that thing out. It's not bad. It's not, I like McDonald's. I like any burger. There's not a burger that I dislike. Yeah. Well, some I mean, I've like. had some I don't like, but I mean, I, I still think there are a lot of really good ones out there. Ham and Eggers, uh, you guys seem to be very much in touch with a, with a good burger. Oh. oh, yeah. I mean, if you've got to pick one, what is it? And I don't mean some highfalutin joint where you're paying 14 bucks. No. I'm saying regular ham and egger kind of joint. Uh, Casey, go first. I have my yeah. answer. Uh, to me, it's Wendy's. Yes. Wendy's, well, okay. Like All right. Culver's is my answer. I love solid, a good Culver's Solid, solid. I think Burger King still has a great burger. Oh, no. No, that's what I was just going to say. Come on, Tom. I think Let's they have great burgers. It it's I terrible. think they're great. It's terrible. First of okay. all, the bun is too fluffy, and they've got how much how much ketchup and mayonnaise, and the tomato is too thick. Every time I give those poor bastards a second chance, they screw it up. I hate Burger King. They're the only bad hamburger place. Come well, on, there goes I'm the bad. advertisement from Burger King. <laughs> I'm not an In-N-Out guy. I'll be honest. I've had it. I'm not a huge In-N-Out guy. I'm, I think I need to give it another another shot. It wasn't like. It wasn't terrible. Like, I'm not going to write it off, but I, I need another shot at it, Tracy. And I like Five Guys. I agree. Guys it gets a little overrated. Yeah. What do you like? Five Guys. I like Solid. Five Guys. Solid. I like um, Fishes. All right, Tracer. So, um, your Christmas plans are to be in California uh, Christmas. Are you just staying out there for a while, flying yes. back, taking the train back? What are you doing? <laughs> No, I'm going to be here for a while. Actually, Thursday, we're going to Costco, and I am buying the prime rib okay. for dinner. There's going to be eight of us. I think I'm going to get a big old prime rib. Now, that's – you guys, have you guys ever – the ham and eggs, have you guys ever had prime rib? I actually just had it a couple of weeks <laughs> oh. ago. No, you I'm not talking it over, about You said it Golden Corral, right? Is Absolutely, that what you said? Tom. You go up, you get it from the buffet, you get another round of it. They cut it real nice for you. Get some mashed potatoes on there. I got to tell you, microwave I, was butter. Party, I was at a party last night, and um, you'll remember this, Tracy. You remember Tim yeah. Nearing? Oh, I love Timmy. Yeah. Love Tim Nearing, okay? Yeah. Um, and uh, apparently his son is convinced. He's got a teenage son who... You know, mom and dad took him to the precinct and took him to Golden Corral. He says, Dad, I can come to Golden Corral eight times for the price it's going to cost me to go into the precinct. And he said, you know what? I love this place. Okay. I haven't been there in a while. But, yeah, I mean, now, don't, you, you're not going to badmouth Golden Corral, right? No, I, I'm not. But I, it's a buffet type thing. And I don't I like know. when the kids from – yeah, I, I don't like when the – 
kids from Norwood come in there and stick their hands in the potato salad and the macaroni and cheese. That, that's just too disgusting for me. Okay, well, you know, uh, we've got a fan watching out in Idaho, Chris Sports Gamer. He says he watches every single day. And he says Golden Corral is mighty popular out here in Treasure Valley, Idaho. They, Idaho. That's the only place they have to eat is the Golden Corral. Jeez, come he on. says they're being Not overrun with Californians out there, Tracer. They don't like it either. I, I've heard that. You know, everyone, a lot of cops, a lot of firemen heading out to Idaho, a lot of California, a lot of conservative Republicans like yourself, Tommy, and the Ham and Eggers. Yeah, you're heading to Idaho. Oh, the prices are coming down in Idaho. They've come down a lot. I, I, I like Idaho. It's still the weather's a little too cool. I'm heading to Florida. <laughs> so did I hear you right? Correct me if I'm wrong before we let you go. So you are spending um, you are spending Christmas in California, right? Do they and allow? Do they allow, like, um, like, um, you know, uh, the nativity scenes and all that kind of thing out there in California and public displays, like you see here in the Buckeye State? You know, they don't allow anything in this stupid state. You should see when I took that train from Santa Barbara down, uh, actually from San Francisco down. The, the trash on the side of the road yeah, and the, the, yeah, the people that homeless, Tom, it was incredible. The homeless that surround Oakland stadium is, is incredible. They're so worried about stupid ass stuff. How about cleaning up your roads? How about getting those homeless people taken care of the veterans? Yeah. Instead we're sending money to Ukraine that makes any sense yeah i mean it's so sad this time of the year it's sad every day of the year but this time of the year when you think about i mean at least california you know you've got a chance where weather is but 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 right. I, mean, I was outside last night just taking you know, the dog for a walk and i mean you're sitting there and you know you're saying your prayers for these people and these children animals for that matter i mean that are all you know exposed to this kind of cold and like you said some veterans or, or those with addictions and um it just breaks your heart. It, it, it really does. And uh, by the way, our, our veteran who's with us every single day, you know, we always want to remember those veterans who are away from home. Absolutely. Serving our country Absolutely. and away from their families and loved ones and friends. And so, Tracer, enjoy your California Christmas. I mean, you know, you don't think of Perry Como. You don't think of Frank Sinatra. You don't even think of John Lennon and David Bowie singing on Christmas carols. Out there, you're thinking the Beach Boys, right? Your good friend, Dennis, Brian Wilson, right? Brian Wilson. Yeah, I'm more of a Neil Diamond guy and a Lawrence Welk. I, I know we'll probably play some Lawrence Welk uh, Christmas Day. My, my mother-in-law loves Lawrence Welk. Thought he was hot. Yeah, but he's been dead for like 20 years. You said your mother-in-law is actually an attractive... A vibrant woman, right? Yeah, I'm going to take a picture of that Porsche. I'm going to take a video. I think she's driving it from, she She lives in, in El Segundo, so she's driving up here in a little while. I'm going to take a video of that $268,000 Porsche. Can you believe that? Wow. 70 years old. Wow. I can't believe That's it. That's some coin. 
I can't. What are the ham and eggers doing right now? They're just gone. They're just shaking their head. 268,000. That might be more money than you'll make in your entire lifetime, boys. Might be. It's more than my house. <laughs> you guys are doing great. That's right. They're doing great. They're doing great. Um, yeah, you and we got people Tom. asking who's Lawrence Wilk. I mean, you you, you got to stay up to speed. Lawrence <laughs> I know, Wilk. I know was, Lawrence. He, Wilk. he was a big leaguer. I he know was a big leaguer. Tracer, you're a big yeah. leaguer. Merry Christmas to All you. Right. We'll, no, we'll see you on Thursday. So we'll see you before Christmas. All right, boys. And we got to have that have video of the Porsche because you've been telling us about this now for for two weeks, and 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 we got to have it. I know. I'm gonna work on it. Okay. All right. Tracer, have see a good boys. day. Thank you. So there you have it, fellas. All the right. Tracer out in California. Giving us a full report on what's going on. Wouldn't have it any other way. Wouldn't have it any other way. And uh, and Tracy shows his soft side there. So before we get to the cherry on top, what do you think we get from Tracy on Thursday ahead of Christmas? I mean, because he's going to have some takes for us, right? He's going to. You mean about what? Well, just like, you know, like how to handle the last minute. Because I'm sure Casey, I don't want to speak for Casey, but. You know, as ham and eggers, we don't Christmas shop ahead of Christmas Eve. So, I mean, that's just part of the personality. You don't? So, well, no, that would be being too proactive. That would be being too ahead of things. Well, pal, if there's one guy that should have learned his lesson based on the Taylor Swift debacle, you should have been the guy. So, you know, Casey's already done some shopping. No chance. <laughs> I didn't even know the answer, but I knew the answer. Wow. No, I have not. I mean, the house was pretty much the Christmas gift, but there we go. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll have a take for us on how to handle last-minute Christmas shopping. Um, all right, we have a cherry on top. Wait a minute, is there breaking news here? There's something in the chat that's talking about Kentucky. Is there something going on down there right now? You're taking the Kentucky head coaching job. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Get those championships. They couldn't. They, believe me, they couldn't. They couldn't. They couldn't handle it. They'd be in that portal quick. All right, what do we got? We got a cherry on top. Cherry on top, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Here we go. Based. So, for Tom Browning, just to cap off the show. Amen. Couldn't end the show without showing this famous picture. Yeah, this was, this was unbelievable. I was calling the games for the Cubs at the time. Uh, and then my dad was next door calling the game on the radio uh, for the Reds. Uh, and Tom Browning, uh, story's legendary. It's well documented by the paper. It's beautifully written today. It tells you everything you want to know about it in the Enquirer, uh, about how it happened. Uh, he goes up there. In fact, he was invited back for the anniversary of that a couple of years ago. It was like the 20th anniversary, 20, 30th anniversary maybe? Yeah, 30th. Um, it was unbelievable. And I, there's one guy, though, on the planet that found no humor in it whatsoever, and that was Davey Johnson, the manager of the Reds. He was livid. Livid. Uh, because this is one of his players. And, you know, he looked at it like, hey, look, this is not, this is our job. And, you know, Tom Browning, God bless him. I mean, look, look at that shot. Is there anything cooler than that shot no. right there? Seriously. You could look at 10,000 pictures over the next year, and you might find something as, as cool. There is nothing cooler than that picture right there. That's the best. Being a kid again. Yep. And doing what every single person that's ever been to Wrigley Field, even if you've never been to Wrigley Field, he's doing something there that every single person that's watched a game on television 
that comes from Wrigley Field, that, that, that walks down the street in the dead of winter at Wrigley Field. Everybody wants to sit on a rooftop and hang out for one game or for a little while at Wrigley Field. Am I right? Agreed. I mean, now it's also corporate and so different. Back in those days, it was just a regular rooftop. You know, the, the, uh, the, uh, fa- the Ricketts family, they've come in and bought every house except for like one on both Waveland um, and why am I drawing a blank? I can't believe it. Boy, that's when you know you're getting old. Uh, anyway, um, and, and, and now it's, it's, you know, these double-decker things and the whole nine yards instead of just people standing on the rooftop having a beer and, and being able to watch into the ballpark. All right, boys. Thanks for everything. Case, have a great rest of your day, Pauly. Absolutely. Great re- enjoy the uh, X-Men tonight. Yep. Tell Coach Miller we said hey. All we'll right. talk to him one of these days. All right. Brandon, have a good day. Addison Street. Addison, thank you. Gosh, I can't be a Clark and Addison. Yeah, of course. All right, boys. We're going to start getting down. You know, we haven't been picking our college bowl games. we got to get back to that tomorrow because they're playing them every night. We missed uh, Marshall blitzing Connecticut yesterday. Yeah. So we got to get back to that tomorrow. Do, yeah. Do we, before we get out of here real quick, Casey, before you run the music, do we want to do that? Do we want to pick every game or do yeah, we? Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're, we're already going to miss a couple, but let's get okay. it back tomorrow. Okay. All right. Because right. we got a lot of bowl games coming up. All right. Sounds All right. good. All right. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate you being here with us. Uh, and you know what? Thank you our retired veteran, for asking us to remember to uh, think of all those who are serving in the United States of America military and away from their friends and family during this holiday season. God bless you all. Have a great day.